This morning, as we continue our series, four-week series called I Am, and we look at four of the the I Am sayings of Jesus, we are uh, in the 10th chapter of the Gospel of John as we look at Jesus' statement that, uh, that I am the Good Shepherd. That is, that is where we are today. And, and each of these are somewhat of a, of a character study of, of who God is in Jesus, uh, the light of the world, uh, the vine, uh, the resurrection of life. These tell us all some of the, the qualities of, of who God is as revealed in Jesus Christ. But, but each of them, and especially this one, also says a little bit about, about who we are. And so we, we get kind of a, a double insight this morning, not only into the, the nature and quality of, of who God is, but, but who we are. So let's look at John uh, chapter 10. I'm going to pick up at verse 11. And this is what Jesus says. I am the good shepherd. That's our key this morning. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. Brothers and sisters, this is the Word of God for the people of God. Gracious Lord, thank you for your word and for your promise. Help us to hear. Help us to hear and to be open and available to your Holy Spirit. We pray in Christ Jesus. Amen. So Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And the key word as we begin this analysis, or that's such a kind of cold word, as, as we dig deeper into this, is to, to hear that, that qualifier. I am the good shepherd. Jesus, through the course of John chapter 10, and, and especially in verses that were just prior to this that I didn't read but will reflect on for a few moments, he wants to make it very clear that there are other shepherds out there, or at least there are others who would want to be shepherds. Others who want to get the, the attention of of our, of our lives, who want to, to have some authority, some dominion, some, some power in our lives to lead and direct our, our path. And so Jesus says, and, and he warns about the thief. In fact, and just prior to the verses I read here, he says, the thief comes to seek and destroy, to take and destroy. And, and that is that personification of evil. We, we associate that with, with Satan, the one who would, who would take our spirits that would d- distract or or pull us away from God. But he's talking to the Pharisees, and he's giving them warnings as well. He's giving them warnings about their tendency to to be not only misguided, but to misguide others. 
And, and I start with that is because we have to ask ourselves as we begin and as we spend time in this text, who are our shepherds? I want that to be kind of that, that question that, that permeates your mind. Who are your shepherds? Because the reality is we all have them. Whether we're people of faith or we're not people of faith, we have voices, we have influences that direct, that guide, that move our lives in one direction or another. We all believe in something. We all put our trust in something. We all put our faith in something. Even those who would claim to have no faith are lying to you. They have faith. They're just their faith is in a very different place than ours is. Jesus says there's a lot of voices that are going to be vying for your attention. But I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And that becomes one of the most dominant images that, that we have of Jesus. And we've, we've probably all seen the artwork of Jesus with the lamb over his shoulders and he's in the white robe and it is so clean and it's so pretty and it's so picturesque and it's, it's comforting, but I think in some ways it does a little bit of a disservice to, to what Jesus is saying. I think sometimes we, we make things way too sanitary, we make things too clean, we make it too pretty. Uh, I, I remember going to Israel years ago. I know some of you um, have, have been to the Holy Land, but you don't even have to have gone overseas. Have you ever seen and been around real shepherds? Anybody been around real shepherds? Seriously. When we were there, we saw these Bedouin communities that travel and they, they care for the flocks. And it's dirty and it's grimy and it's messy work. And it's not white flowing robes and, and perfect lambs over their shoulders. I mean, it's... It's grueling, it's tough, it's dirty, it's hot, it's, hot. Yeah, it's tough work. And, and I think that image is even more powerful because it reminds us again, as is the story of the entire incarnation of God in Christ, that, that Jesus stepped into kind of our messiness. You know, he didn't, he didn't come in and, and life didn't get picturesque and beautiful. He, he made it beautiful, but even in the midst of some of the dirt and grime of life. And so the good shepherd, Jesus is the good shepherd. So, we have to, to begin with this. If Jesus is the shepherd, if God is our shepherd, and remember, we're going to reference back to the 23rd Psalm as well because we get that wonderful image of shepherding there. But if Jesus is the shepherd, what does that make us? The sheep, right. We're the sheep. And, of course, the, the listener that Jesus was speaking to, they would have immediately identified with that. They would have understood what it meant to be um, like sheep, it was a, a familiar um, livestock in the day. It may be familiar to some of you, but to a lot of us, don't spend a lot of time around sheep. So the, the connection may, may get lost a little bit, but we've got to understand what it means to be like sheep because it is not the most flattering comparison that we could have. To call somebody, you know, sheep um, usually isn't meant as a compliment, um, it's not, you know, sheep are, at least their reputation is that they are not the smartest animals in the world. Uh, they have a reputation actually for being quite dumb. Now, I read stuff on this, um, and there's, there's arguments to whether that's a fair, um, a fair association, whether they're quite as dumb as, as they're sometimes painted to be. But, but here's what I know. I've been to state fairs, I've been to county fairs, I've been to shows, I've been to bush gardens, I've been to all these places that have all kinds of animals, and I've never seen a show with sheep in them. <laughs> I've, I've never seen sheep, you know, beg or, 
or um, roll over, uh, you know. I've heard that you can teach a sheep to play dead, but you have to use a real gun and the trick only works once. So, I'm just kidding if you're an animal lover, just, just joking. But, but their, their reputation is that, that they're not the brightest animal out there. But that is the, the image that, that gets painted. And in fact, sheep are, are mentioned more than any animal in the Scriptures. Over 200 times in the Old and in the New Testaments, there's, there's reference to sheep. In contrast, there's 44... Re- How many of you are dog people? How many of you are dog people? Okay, there's 44 references to dogs in the Scriptures. How many are cat people? There's zero references to cats. So... <laughs> Oh, I'm just going to keep digging. Um, there is reference to lions. There's reference to lions, so I'm just teasing. The reference lions in comparison to Satan in one part of the Scripture, so you can make that connection if you want to. Um, I like cats, just for the record. Um, over 200 mentions of, of, of sheep and of lambs. In the scriptures, we're, we're compared to lambs. So let's talk a little bit about what that means. Well, here's some characteristics of lambs or sheep. Sheep get lost easy. Sheep get lost easy. Now, if Tony was up here standing next to me, she would tell you what a wonderful uh, metaphor for me that that is. Okay? <laughs> she, she, she loves to tweak me about the tendency that I have to, to make wrong turns uh, in life. In fact, women have an intuition. I, I'm going to admit this because she's not in here. Um, women have an intuition. The fir- when we first started dating, the first time Tony came back to, to my house, well, my parents' house, you know, we were in college. So we went back for a spring break, Christmas break. I don't remember what it was. But she, the first time she was coming to meet my parents and my brothers. And we're driving into my hometown and I'll never forget, we came to a stop sign, and she said, you need to turn right here. And I'm like, this is where I live. I know where to go. I was, I was, I was like, she's telling me how to get to my house. She's never even been there before. And I share that because I think she knew something about me that I had yet to learn, that I need somebody in my life sometimes reminding me this is where you need to turn because I have a tendency to get a little backwards, to get a little off track, if you will. And I know I'm not the only one. And that is one of the characteristics of sheep. Sheep get lost very, very easily. Why are you raising your hand? I'm worried now. Yes, she was. <laughs> but, but the point is, I wasn't going to miss the turn that time. Uh, and and she, has, she has corrected me a number of times. So sheep get lost easy. And, and we have a tendency, not necessarily, maybe not in a... In a literal sense, like the way I sometimes will do. But we know how easy it is for us to get lost spiritually and to to begin to go in directions that we need not go. So so again, so sheep get lost easy. Here's the second. Um, Sheep are defenseless. Sheep have no natural defenses. You know, um, cats have claws or, or animals have fangs or strength or, or um, you know, birds of flight that can, can escape dangerous situations. Sheep are, uh, they're, they're, they're naturally defenseless. So they're dependent upon a shepherd. They're dependent upon 
um, protection and somebody looking over them because they're incapable of fighting those battles, if you will, on their own. Does the Scriptures say that we're invited to put on the armor of God, to, to be strengthened by the presence, not on our own, but by the presence and the strength of God that is at work in and through us? So like sheep, sometimes we, we find ourselves defenseless. Sheep, sheep are defenseless. Now here's another one. Sheep are stubborn animals. Sheep are stubborn. Look to the person you came with and say, he's talking about you right now. Um, and none of you did it, see? So we can talk about stubbornness right now. Um, sheep, sheep are um, they're, they're stubborn, stubborn animals. They, they become very intent on, on going their own way, doing their own thing. In fact, I, I read in a, a, a claim that when, when sheep... Uh, kind of wander off the path, that sometimes, especially in rocky terrains where they may be found, uh, they'll, they'll start down a path and they'll get caught in between two rocks. You know, get into a space that's too tight for them. They won't back up. They'll just keep trying to force their way forward. And there's no reverse in these animals. They don't back up. They, they don't admit this is a bad idea. This is a bad course of action. This is a bad path. They just keep trying to push through. And how many of you know that feeling? How many of you know in our own lives and can look honestly in your life and know yeah, that, that, that you've been on a course that, that is not healthy, is not productive, is not obedient, is not um, beneficial, whatever word you want to use, and you've kept pushing forward, maybe because you just couldn't admit to yourself or to others this isn't the right way. Stubborn. You know, I talked about my propensity to get lost. I'll tell you the other part of me. I will never admit it. <laughs> I always meant to go that way. You know, because, because stubborn, stubborn, stubborn. We, we find ourselves very, very often. So, so we've got stubbornness. We've got a propensity to get lost. Um, uh, defenseless. The other thing is sheep are dirty. They're dirty animals. That wool collects um, dirt and grime and grit, and they, they can't or they don't clean themselves. So they're dependent upon uh, the shepherds. They're dependent upon the caretakers to clean themselves. They are made clean. They don't make themselves clean. And, and we have a, a shepherd, Jesus says, who's laid down his life for sheep. Well, why? Because in the the sacrifice of Christ, in His laying down His life, His freely laying down His life, we are made clean. We're cleansed because we're not capable. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's what the Scriptures tell us. We're all dirty too. Now that sounds like a harsh thing, but that's the truth. We've all sinned and fallen short, but we have a shepherd that has laid down His life to make us clean. So, those are the characteristics of Sheep, that's our characteristics. And there's more, but those are a few that define who we are that, that I think the listener of Jesus would have immediately understood was, was the connection. So let's now talk about the characteristics of the shepherd. Because if we stop with the sheep, it's kind of a sad situation. But when we understand who we are, we can understand the glory and the gift of who God is as our good shepherd. So let's talk about that for a moment. Because the bottom line is, we need a shepherd. We need a shepherd. We 
Sheep need a shepherd, and so we need a Savior. So the first is this. If you think about the tendency of sheep to kind of wander their own way, in our inclination to get lost, we have a shepherd who is our guide. We have a shepherd who is our guide, who speaks his guidance into our life. In fact, let me go back to the beginning of John chapter 10. These are a few verses I didn't read, but I want you to hear this. It says, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He calls his own sheep and leads them out. When he is brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Because they know his voice. We have a shepherd who is our guide, who speaks into our lives, and we are called, invited, to learn how to recognize his voice. There is no doubt in my, in, in my mind, there is no question in my mind, there is no hesitation in my declaration that God guides us by the power of His Holy Spirit, that God speaks to us here and now as surely as He did in the stories of the men and women of faith who have gone before us. Now, you may be thinking, well, you, were you saying that, that an audible voice from heaven speaks? Could. I've heard those testimonies. Some of you have those testimonies. God can speak that way. God has spoken that way. But God's not limited to speaking that way. God speaks in a number of ways. God speaks through His Word. I can't tell you how many times in my life I've, I've read through the Scriptures and I've thought, that's what I needed to hear. That's the Word I needed. That's the voice that I needed because God speaks through His inspired Word. God speaks through the circumstances of life. It's, it's cliche, but it's true. Sometimes doors do close. And sometimes God closes them. Sometimes paths and, and things that we want and desires of our heart, those, those, through the circumstances of life, those doors get closed so that God can redirect, can guide us in a different path, can open another door. So God works through the circumstances of His life. God works through the prophetic word. Through, there, there have been times when some of you will, in fact, it happens fairly frequently, and I say this humbly, when some of you will come up to me after a sermon and say, you are speaking to me. And the truth is, I'm not. But God may be. God may be. God does. God knows where you are. God knows what you need to hear. God knows the words that, that He's placed on my heart every Sunday. And my prayer always is the same, Lord, whatever it is you want to say, say it through me. Say it through me. And so, absolutely. And there's other places, you know. People have said that, you know, you may turn on the television. You may hear a song on the radio that can speak to you. I, I don't have time to tell the story. I've told it before, but I can remember at a time in my life when I was looking for clear direction and I was walking down a runway in the Houston airport and I saw a sign that said, the only risk in life is not taking one. It was an advertisement. And I was in a place where I was trying to decide whether God wanted me to take a step of faith and take a risk. And I don't believe it was an accident. That sign was straight in front of me as I was walking off an airplane going to a seminar to explore this opportunity in my life. So God speaks in a lot of different ways. God speaks through the voices of other people in your life. I said last week that I believe as Christians, our, our, our friends should not all be Christians. If your only friends are Christians, I think you need to broaden your circle. 
But I think you, you need in the tightest circle of your life, the tightest relationships, the most dear, you need to have some Christians who walk with Jesus, who can speak truth into your life, who can be the voice that God uses to, to guide and direct you. It happens in all of these ways. But I know that God speaks. The challenge is we just sometimes don't hear so well. We just don't hear so well. And, and if you're saying to me, well, I, I, I don't know how to recognize the voice of God, well, here's what I know. Put it this way. If, um, let's say there were 50 of you in this room, and you were all in the midst of conversation, and my wife, Tony was one of the persons that was in the room, and I walked in, and I said, can you pick out Tony's voice? Most of you probably wouldn't be able to do it. And here's why. Either you don't know her, either you don't know her, and some of you don't, or you just haven't spent enough time with her. You haven't learned how to hear her voice. But I will tell you what, if I came into that room and you blindfolded me and there were 50 of you in here and you were all talking, I guarantee you if her voice is among yours, I'll be able to hear it. I guarantee you I will be able to pick it out. Not because my hearing's any better than yours, but because I spend time with her. I've learned how to recognize her voice. And we could flip that illustration and you could pick somebody in your life that you're most close to and you'd be able to pick their voice out. And I may not be able to because I may not know them or I haven't spent enough time with them. The point is, how do we learn to hear the voice of the one who is our shepherd, the one who's our guide? We spend time with God. We spend time in God's Word. We spend time in prayer. We spend time in conversation with, with brothers and sisters in the faith. We hear the stories of others and we share our stories, but we learn through nurturing a relationship with God how to hear God. There are times when God may get our attention in spite of ourselves, that God may proverbially hit us over the head with the, the tire iron to get our attention. But so often God speaks in the still, small voice. We need to learn to hear. We need to learn to hear because God does guide. We were talking with Ryan a couple weeks ago when we were away, and we were up in Tennessee, and, and we're doing college visits with Ryan. That's kind of the stage we are right now. And he's in that stage of, of trying to, you know, that big step. As he's got to think about what's going to be the next step for his life and where's, where's God leading them. And, and we went up there and we visited three schools and, and some of you even asked, well, did you figure it out? And the truth is we didn't figure anything out. We came back probably more confused when we left as his parents and, and him because they were all great schools and they were all had different things to offer. And I said to him, I said, Ryan, this is what we're going to do over this next year. You're going to pray that God guides you're going to pray that, that through the circumstance, through the opportunities, through the conversations, God will make clear the path for you. Because I believe God will. If we're and if he is open to hear and to listen and to be obedient to that. God speaks. And in fact, it's a very personal, intimate way. You know what it says right there? It says not only does God speak, but it says that he calls his own sheep by name. He calls his own sheep by name. He speaks your name. And that is powerful. That is absolutely powerful because our names indicate a personal relationship that we have with God, that God invites us to. There's nothing more powerful than knowing that your name is known, that your name is known. 
I, I remember my first day on campus at Duke Divinity School. The first day I walked on campus, it was August of 1995. Yeah. And uh, a few months before, at the annual conference in Lakeland, I had gone as, um, you know, as a young seminarian. I'd gone to the annual conference. And uh, I had a, a pastor friend invite me over. And he, he called me over and he said, Chris, I want to introduce you to Dennis Campbell. And we're standing in the kind of circle. And so I reached out and I said, hello, Dennis. And then his next sentence was, he's the dean of the divinity school at Duke. <laughs> and I went, uh, Dr. Campbell? Um, <laughs> And so I met Dean Campbell, Dr. Campbell, who was the dean of the Divinity School. My first day, the only time I'd ever met him. First day, I'm walking down the hall. I can still see it clearly. It was, it was on the second floor. And I'm walking by, and Dean Campbell walks by me. And I went, good morning. And he went, good morning, Chris. And I went, huh? <laughs> and I went, uh-oh. That might not be good, but it was good. I don't know how he did it. I don't know if his memory was that good. I don't know if he had a cheat sheet with our pictures. I don't know. But I'll never forget that he knew my name. He knew my name. And I wish I was as good as he was. I try. I try. Please don't come up to me after worship and say, <laughs> what's my name? Please. Because I do my best. But it kills me when I don't pull names. Because God knows our names. It's personal. He guides. That's the character of the shepherd. Now, I actually wrote more, and I'm actually running out of time. Um, so I just want to real quick tell you what, what some of the other characteristics are. We're going to have to save them um, for another sermon. But, but our good shepherd corrects. Our good shepherd corrects us. You know, blessed is the one who God corrects. That's in Job. It's a blessing to be corrected. And in Hebrews 12, it says, because correction, God's discipline in our lives, produces a harvest of righteousness. A shepherd corrects. He does the things to keep the, the sheep safe. Now, we don't always like that. I, when I was growing up as a teenager, I knew my parents loved me and they corrected me. I didn't like it. My, te- my, my kids don't like it. But correction is a blessing. God corrects. And then the last thing that he does as the good shepherd is he provides and he protects. He provides and he protects. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. You know that sheep very, very rarely lie down? They will only lie down when they're fed and they're safe. You know that? They will only lie down when they've been fed and they're safe. Our God provides for us. He is our protection. He leads me beside still waters. Sheep won't drink from a running stream. It's too much of a risk of them falling in. And you know what happens to wool when it gets wet. But he protects thy rod and thy staff, the staff that straightens. But you know what the rod was for? The rod was for fending off attackers. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Our God guides, uh, provides, and protects. That is the nature of the good shepherd. It is a deeply personal relationship Jesus invites us into. You're invited to know the good shepherd because we are the sheep. But, but you're not invited to know any shepherd. You're invited to know the good shepherd the one who is our God, who speaks our name, who corrects us when it is necessary but provides and protects for us in all the days of our lives by his presence, the peace that he gives that passes all understanding, his presence even in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death. Remember, David didn't say in his Psalm 23 that life's always exactly what he wants it to be. What he's saying is even when I'm in the dark places, you are with me. That is the good shepherd.
I'm going to leave you with this story. It was a drama class. And the professor wanted the students to act out a, a, the prayer of the 23rd Psalm. And so he gave him an example. He read, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And as he did, he kind of put drama to the words. And as a, as a skilled actor, it was very, very good. And when it was over, the class applauded. And then he looked at one of the students, and he said, now I want you to do it. And he pointed to a young man who was very, very shy. Very shy, very fearful, but also was a very faithful, devout follower of Jesus. And he was petrified. And he stood up. And he started to recite, the Lord is my shepherd. And as he did, he started to think about his own life. I shall not want. He started to think about how God had provided for him. He started to think about God's leadership and God's presence and God's strength and God's guidance. He started to apply it into his life. And as he did, he became emotional and he began to cry. Tears began to roll down his face as he moved through. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And tears coming down his face. And when he was done, nobody applauded because when he looked up, everybody in the class had tears running down their face. And the professor looked at him. The drama teacher looked at him and said, friends, that's the difference. I know the psalm. He knows the shepherd. I know the psalm. He knows the shepherd. Do you know the shepherd? Because he calls you by name. He guides your path. He wants to carry you in his arms and know that you are protected, you are provided, and even corrected when it's needed. We know the psalm. Do you know the shepherd? Let us pray. Gracious Lord, be our good shepherd. Be our good shepherd because we open our hearts to you that we would not only know the words of the psalm, the words of the gospel, but we know you as the one who is with us always, who loves us unconditionally, and who corrects, and who guides, and who protects and provides. We pray for that truth in our lives. Open our hearts to you, now and forever. We pray it in Jesus' holy name. Amen.